Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. So if you happen to be someone who just showed up this morning and you said to yourself, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go see what that thing's all about. Then no doubt you have heard us say some words that are a little strange. Uh, specifically, uh, the blood, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But you, maybe you've heard, maybe somebody, you walked in and somebody looked at you and said, you want to go fellowship later? And you went, nah. But what we were really saying was, you want to have some food. You want to get some food and talk and have a good time. That for us as Christ followers is fellowship. And maybe you showed up to a church service and you saw someone or you heard someone talk about in the service, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And you thought, all right, free meal, showing up today, get a meal. And then all we do is hand you a tiny little cup and a stale little cracker. And then some guy stands up here and says, this cracker represents the body of Christ. When you take this, remember me. You think that's a little strange. And then, if, if it could get any stranger, it's about to. We take the cup, which has grape juice in it, and we say, this is the blood of Christ. Remember me when you take it. And that's when, as a non-Christ follower, you're like, all right, I'm out. These people are eating bodies. They're drinking blood. Listen, for all of you that are staring at me right now, if you're a Christ follower, let, just relax, okay? It's a little strange for an outsider. For someone who's never read the scripture, who doesn't know the story, it's a little strange. Why do we spend so much time talking about blood? For some of you, the sight of blood makes you faint. For some of you, you, you avoid blood at all costs. I know there's people in my family, when blood comes around, they go running. And then other people have to come in and handle it. So why do we spend so much time talking about blood? We, we, we sing songs. We're washed in the blood. The blood of the lamb. What, what does that mean? Well, listen, on the Sunday before Easter, where we talked about Palm Sunday and the great joyous occasion that it was as Jesus rode on the donkey into Jerusalem, we're going to focus on the, the most difficult hours in human history. We're going to focus on the cross and explain to you why the blood of Jesus is so important and why we spend so much time singing and talking about it and remembering it. Our series that we've spent nine weeks in now is titled Mission Redemption. And my hope is by the end of this message, if you haven't already, you're going to understand exactly how Jesus accomplished his mission, which was redemption. It wasn't just to come and be an incredible miracle worker, although he was. It wasn't that he came just to be an incredible teacher, although he was. And it wasn't that he just came to be this incredible king who would take over the throne and rule on high forever. That wasn't his mission. His mission was the cross. And today I want you to understand one thing, that nothing but the blood of Jesus could purchase our redemption. 
And to understand the importance of blood, we have to begin with our problem. Why did Jesus have a mission to begin with? Well, we all have a problem. We have a sin problem. It's born into us. From the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve sinned, we inherited a natural and willful sin nature that we have no way out of on our own or through our own accord. In, in fact, Adam and Eve, as we do oftentimes, they chose to sin. And oftentimes we choose to also. Any, anything that we do, we've made the choice. And as always, there's a price for sin. The thing that separates us from God comes with a price. There's consequences. There are consequences to our sin, to our natural sin and to the sin that we commit on a daily basis. And the first sin, the first consequence is that it separates us and it alienates us from a holy God. It seems, it, honestly, it seems a little like a limitation, but it, it, is, it is not a limitation on God's part. It is instead the, the incredible righteous nature of God that keeps him incapable of being anywhere near sin. And so we are separated by a chasm that we ourselves cannot cross. And we don't get to, we don't, a lot of times we don't like to hear that, right? We like to think that we're in control. and We like to think that we get to uh, kind of call our own shots. But the truth is we can't create our own God. We can't create who we want God to be. God is who he is as revealed to us in Scripture and we have to understand that about who he is. Because without that understanding, we might never come to understand the power in the blood of Jesus. See, God is holy and he cannot have a relationship with anything or anyone that is unholy. Anyone that is corrupted by sin cannot be with God in community. And because of that, there must be a way, right? God is a loving God. He loves us all, and he, he wants us desperately. He wants desperately to be with his creation, so he's made a way for atonement and for forgiveness because God is just, but he is also merciful. He is merciful, and he loves each and every one of us dirty sinners. But because he's just... He can't overlook or ignore our sin. There must be payment. And where there is no payment, separation continues. See, God's holy and just nature requires the shedding of innocent blood to atone for the sins of the guilty. His holy and just nature requires that. I don't know why he didn't choose something else. Like, why couldn't we have written him a note saying we're sorry? Why did it have to be blood? Because blood is life. Blood represents life. 
And God wants us to understand the life that he's given us and, and what has to happen in order for atonement of sins. This is serious. Our sin is serious. It's not something that we can just write away in a note, but instead it is something that must be paid for in, in life. And in the Old Testament, that life was represented by animals, lots of animals. Uh, if you go, get through the book of Leviticus, if you can get through it, you're... you're Pretty impressive as far as scripture reading goes. Uh, but it, it lines out very well the ways in which you can get atonement for your sin. But in Exodus, we see before this, before they wrote, before they created all of the laws and all of those different ways to get atonement for sin, we see God create an incredible picture. When the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt and Moses has been going to the Pharaoh and God says, you're... It's time for you to go. I need you to go to the Pharaoh. And he goes to the Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says no. And then he puts on the plagues, and ultimately, it comes down to the final plague. And God talks to Moses, and he tells him exactly what he wants to do. And he says, listen, you're going to need to tell your people that they need to get a lamb. They need to do this exactly as prescribed. And so if you look in verse 5 with me of chapter 12 of Exodus, it says this, The animals you choose must be a year old male without defect, and you, must, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. And that same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now, God went on to describe to Moses that if this was done perfectly and all of the steps were perfectly done, perfectly completed, then the angel of death who was coming to wipe out all of the firstborn children of Egypt would pass over their households. That's why we call it Passover. But I want to back up a second. Because it says here, they had to go and get a perfect male, lamb or goat. We've had petting zoos here before, and they always bring the cute little lamb or goat. All right, so you had to go get a perfect, cute little lamb or goat. And you had to bring it into your house, and it says you had to care for it. You had to care for it for four days. Now, I don't know about you, but my kids, when I bring a puppy home, fall in love with it immediately. And so, undoubtedly, they had made a name for this little goat or this little lamb, Snowflake. Little Snowflake was cute. They had probably fashioned a little leash for it. They had walked it. They had cleaned after it. You know they had bathed it every day, even though, you know, mom was saying, hey, you know, don't get too attached. But they did. The kids loved it. The family loved it. They looked at this little goat, and they said, this could be our pet. This could be what we, you know, this brings us joy and happiness and then day 14 rolls around, and Dad's like, hey, where's Snowflake? 
Kids probably had it hid under the mattress. Dad had to take the lamb, the loved lamb, and he had to go slaughter it. And he had to take the blood and put it on the door frame. And they had to eat it in this really serious way. And I thought, man, how hard was that for the family? You know the kids were crying. You know they hated Dad. But Dad knew what he had to do. And Dad knew exactly what the lamb was for. And as, we're, as we'll see in just a second, this was an incredible picture of exactly who Jesus was and what he came to do. You see, a lot of times we look at that story and we go, man, I don't like this. I don't like that. Why well, they had to kill the lamb? Why do we, why do we have to talk about blood? But the reality is, just because we don't like it, it doesn't change what it is. It doesn't change what is right and true. The scales of justice, if you've ever paid attention to our judicial system, you know that one of the symbols is a big scale, and the scale represents uh, you know, crime and punishment, and they need to be in balance. And thankfully for us, God doesn't work on a balanced system if there is atonement. Under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament times, as we saw, there were innocent animals that paid for the guilty sins of humans. But that was a temporary solution. When an atonement, when a sacrifice was made, that was only for that sin. It wasn't for all times. In fact, they had to kill a lot of birds and a lot of bulls and a lot of rams and a lot of sheep because they had to atone for all of these sins. And it was only temporary. But that was the picture that God was setting up. Our Heavenly Father had a plan for a permanent provision that would once and for all be, give us the ability to be joined with him. A perfect provision. Jesus is the lamb. You see, that provision was not the blood of, of innocent animals, but instead the blood of his innocent son. And on the cross... The innocent Son of God died for guilty sinners. We've been in John for some time now. I want to jump to the crucifixion in John chapter 19, verses 16 through 18. It says, Then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called the place of the skull. In Hebrew, it's Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side with Jesus in between them. Jesus hung there for some time. Jump down to verse 28. It says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. The jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked up a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of the Heavenly Father, 
A man who lived a perfect life. He never had a sinful thought. He never had a sinful act. He never, he never did a sinful thing. Died. Not for his sins. But for yours and for mine. And I want you to, to think for a second. If God asked you to give the life of one of your kids. To, to pay the penalty for guilty sinners that you don't really know or really care about even, would you do it? It's kind of a rhetorical answer. Of course, the question, the answer is obviously no. I, I wouldn't do it. And I bet that you wouldn't either because there are children and we love them. And they're certainly not perfect. I mean, but they're ours. And yet God, whose son was perfect, was given to us and died on that cross where he shed his blood. And when he died, Jesus' blood became the once and for all sacrifice for our sins. Look what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 9, verse 11. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. Within, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time. And listen to this, and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and their ashes of, of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial, ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. The Old Covenant, we read about it in the Old Testament. The sacrifice of animals was an over and over and over temporary act to get atonement. It wasn't perfect. It could never fully and permanently atone for our sins. But when Jesus came, and when Jesus was put on that cross, and when Jesus' blood was spilled, the sinless Son of the Heavenly Father became the Lamb of God, and no more sacrifices need ever be offered again. Ever. And to try to add anything to that, whether it's, to say, well, if I'm just really good, or if I'm, I, I, need to, I, I need to know Jesus, but I also need to probably be this. I need to walk this way, or I need to serve in this area. I need to, to do that would be to add something. And that ultimately says that his sacrifice was insufficient. That would be to say that his sacrifice was incomplete. See, human works, whether religious rituals or morality or anything else, 
are good and they have a meaningful place within the life of a Christ follower, they are grossly inadequate to add to the sacrifice of Jesus who came to take our sins on the cross and be sufficient for all time. So now does that mean that Christ's sacrifice completely and automatically covers everyone? No. It's available to everyone, but there is something that we must do. And although there's nothing that you can do, and listen to me, don't, don't miss this, there is nothing that you can do to earn the gift of salvation. Nothing. It is a free gift. But like any gift, it's not yours until you receive it. You didn't earn it. Think back to your last birthday. So you went around the sun one more time, and then everybody gave you gifts. That gift that they gave you wasn't yours until you received it. And at that moment, it's yours. That's the way that God's gift of salvation works. Through faith, we believe and we receive the gift of Jesus' death on the cross that would cover all of our sins once and for all. We have to receive it. And once we do, his atonement is applied to our sin. And when we put our faith in him as Lord and Savior, we are once and for all covered for all time. Look what Paul said in Romans chapter 3. This is, these are powerful words. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. The title on my thing here is very important. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Don't miss this. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. 
So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. If you had a terminal illness and you were going to die without medical intervention, and it just so happened that the perfect treatment was created just in time to save your life. There's no side effects. There's, no, there's nothing negative that could possibly happen. It is perfectly pure and would 100% cure you. What would you do? Undoubtedly, you would take it. But the point is, you would still have to go take it. You have to receive that treatment. And to know that Jesus' sacrifice can save you is not the same as being saved. You must receive the gift of faith by putting your life in his hands, trusting him as your own personal savior. It's not something that your parents' faith can do. It's not something that, that your spouse's faith can do or your friend's faith or just coming to church. It's not my faith or Pastor Ed's faith. It's your relationship, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ that gives you the salvation that you need, that we all need. You accepting Jesus as Savior, as Lord, and as Master. Now, my question really that follows that is, have you made that decision? Have you made that personal decision to follow Christ as Savior? Because if not, you can do that today. You can accept Jesus as Savior and, and receive all of the sanctification and all of the atonement for sin that you've tried all of your life to do on your own. And just like that, you can, you can have it. Jesus offers it to you. You can go from an alienated sinner separated by God or separated from God by your sin to an adopted child of God with all of the rights and incredible gifts associated. And you don't have to wait in the line. You don't have to make an appointment. Through the sacrifice of his blood, our faith has given us full access to God. One more passage in Hebrew 10. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. On this Palm Sunday, I really just have one thing I want you to take from this. I guess two. The first one is, if you have not accepted Christ as your personal Savior, please make some time to talk to one of us. We have Pastor Milt's here, Pastor Jesse's here, I'm here, Claver's here. We have any number of people that would love to take a moment and just talk you through to answer any questions you have and help you to take that next step. 
But for those of you who believe, those of you who follow Christ, this is a big week as we move into the Resurrection Sunday next Sunday. And it's going to be an incredible day of celebration. We are going to have an incredible set of services. But this week, I would challenge you to let the redemption through the blood of Jesus become the theme of your life. Use this week to really reflect on that. Not, as Jesse said, not in a way that we're just mopey and we're sad, but just that we're empowered and we understand that we have been redeemed, not through anything that we have done, but only through what Jesus has done. Now, I want to wrap up by sitting down, and I'm gonna, we're going to watch a video real quick of, outside of Paul, possibly one of the greatest evangelists ever, because he can say it way better than I could ever say it. So, The only way that you can ever get to heaven is by way of the cross. And if Jesus Christ had not gone to the cross, you could have never had sin forgiven. You could have never gone to heaven. And the problems of earth would have never had a solution. Only by the way of the cross can we find our way back to God. And that's why it was important that Jesus stay on the cross. Because you see, man is in rebellion against God. Adam and Eve rebelled in the Garden of Eden. And every man since Adam and Eve has broken God's law and sinned against God. And as a result of that, God and man are separated. And man's only way back to God is through Jesus Christ. The only way back to God is through Jesus Christ. If you know that you are separated and you don't have a personal relationship, I would beg you to talk to someone today about making Jesus your once and for all atonement, your personal Lord and Savior. Would you pray with me? Father, you are great. You are glorious. Hallowed be your name. Father, we are so thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for the cross that he had to bear for us. We are thankful for his once and for all atonement for our sins. God, I pray for anyone in here who is not accepted Jesus as Savior, that you would permeate their heart, that you would touch them, that you would open their eyes to the truth of who you are and how much you love them. God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Have an incredible week. Thanks for joining us today. Can you see it? Can you feel it?